You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Parma. Hello there, this is Parma. And today I've basically taken over the podcast because I wanted to do a solo episode. We rarely do solo episodes, as anybody listening to us for the past five years would know. Actually, I don't think we have done a single solo episode <laughs> as yet. I once uploaded the audio of this one YouTube video I did on Startup because it was longish and kind of worked as a solo episode. But this is honestly a real solo episode that I'm recording just for the podcast. And it's about Love to Hate You. Now, Love to Hate You is kind of like the first half of Business Proposal, where it's it's using older tropes and it's using, you know, a setup that feels like very familiar. It's also clearly made with lots of good intentions and has a cast that's really watchable. And basically, it's just a really fun story, like a genuinely fun story. It's not like it's trying too hard and failing. It's absolutely succeeding. And occasionally, you feel analysis fatigue. And um, I say this because I found that even before I got into Love to Hate You, a lot of people who were talking online about it, you know, like they, they knew what they were watching. They were aware of all the flaws. They are aware of everything that I'm going to talk about in this episode. But it's also like they were fine if nobody brings it up because it's so entertaining and because it's okay to let this one pass. And because I respect that sentiment, I genuinely do. I'm not going to do a spoiled yak on this drama. But also because what I want to talk to you guys about today is more thematic. Now, if you haven't watched Love to Hate You, I would suggest watching the drama. It's it's honestly 10 episodes, goes by really quick. There is barely any lag in the show whatsoever. And here's the thing. It's actually really difficult to explain what Love to Hate You is about. The summary of the show really doesn't do it justice. I'm reading this from the My Drama List page for Love to Hate You, and it says... Yomiran is a rookie attorney at Gilmoo Law Firm, which works primarily with the entertainment industry. She is not interested in having a romantic relationship, and she hates to lose to a man in anything. Nam Kang Ho is a top actor in the entertainment industry. He is the most popular actor in South Korea due to his handsome appearance, intelligence, and kindness. He is sought after to work in romantic movies, but he doesn't actually trust women. Yomiran and Nam Kang Ho, who both don't believe in love, fall into a love battle. Now, aggregator sites like My Drama List tend to get their summaries either directly from the source, as in the drama's production house would do like a press release of the summary of the drama, or they would get it from other aggregator sites. In this particular case, they got it from Asian Wiki. And Asian Wiki itself goes off, you know, through a similar process, either directly from the production house summary or from, you know, somewhere else. However, the point is that the production house press releases are not great summaries to go off to begin with. They will give you very bare bones of what the story is about. 
So if you are trying to make up your mind about whether you want to watch this drama or not of these summaries, this is not very convincing, right? But also, even if you are convinced, you're probably going in to watch a very different drama than what Love to Hate You actually is. For instance, let's look at the first paragraph. Yomiran is a rookie attorney at Gilmu Law Firm. Makes you think she's been working at Gilmu Law Firm maybe for a short while, but that she is a relatively inexperienced attorney. Since they use the rookie attorney in the first line, it doesn't exactly explain that she is quite an experienced attorney. The How the line should have been was that Yomiran recently joins a Gilmu Law Firm. The sentence then goes on to say, which works primarily with the entertainment industry, which is true. But what it should have also added is that Gilmu Law Firm exclusively hires male attorneys. So Yomiran recently joins Gilmu Law Firm as the first female attorney. That is what the first line should have said, because it's quite an important part of the plot. Then it goes on to say she's not interested in having a romantic relationship and she hates to lose to a man in anything. Now, that's not true. She's quite interested in having a romantic relationship. She's just not interested in having an exclusive long-term relationship. And it's not that she hates to lose to a man in anything. She doesn't really have that kind of a stand. She just doesn't see men as like a superior being that has to be defeated. She just treats them like humans, period. Not better than women, not worse than women, just... Not people that she's willing to depend on for emotional support or any other kind of support, but she's perfectly happy to be friendly and like just, you know, competitive in a healthy way. She really doesn't have a competitiveness that is specifically directed against men. And then you come to Nam Kang Ho. And to be honest, this description of him as a popular actor who's, you know, well known for his handsomeness, intelligence and kindness, this part is true. He is sought after to work in romantic movies, but doesn't actually trust women. That is also true. But then again, Nam Kang Ho's character is way more old K-drama tropey. So it's, there really isn't a lot more to say if you're doing a summary of his character than just this much, unless you want to give away plot points. However, the last line says, Yomiran and Nam Kang Ho, who both don't believe in love, fall into a love battle. That is untrue. It's not that both of them don't believe in love. They have different reasons for believing it will never happen for them. But also they don't fall into a love battle. What the hell? That is not the story. Initially, they are kind of like gauging each other in a way that is slightly, you know, battle of the uh, sexes vibe as in like, oh, ho. Do you think I am handsome, don't you? I bet I can trick you to fall in love with me. And the girl thinking, I know that my tricks are working on you. Look at you staring at me. It's all very, you know, very PG and cute. They're both trying to use their flirtation tricks to sort of like get an edge on each other, but not with any malicious intent. They've been thrown together because of work reasons. She now works at a law firm that handles this actor's business. But what happens is that she witnesses something that she misconstrues. And out of concern for a minor, she decides that she's going to put herself directly in the team that handles this actor's you know, business and 
start trying to figure out what's actually going on. If there is a minor in danger through the drama, there is like a like a couple of episodes where she thinks he's like a predatory actor hiding behind his romantic public persona. But then again, this is based off her overhearing him going on a rant about women in general at one point of time. So she already has a bad opinion of him to begin with. But I promise you, this entire segment doesn't last long. It's just a couple of episodes. And it's mostly to just like bring them together, so to speak. Yeah. So if you're going into this drama expecting how to lose a guy in 10 days, I would strongly suggest, like, don't watch this drama. That's not what it's about. This drama is primarily about two mature individuals having their own life experiences, their own successes and failures in their careers, sort of meeting each other at one point in time and finding each other really interesting and then falling in love. It's it's a very straightforward story. All of the all of the other stuff like the battle of the sexes thing is mostly garnishing. However, you do actually get like a really satisfying glimpse of a sweet supportive relationship and it's also pretty hot at times, which is great to see because these actors are like, I, I think they're in their late 30s, early 40s. I don't know what the actors' ages are, but Kim Okpin, well, she's always been hot, but she is a splendid actor. And I haven't seen Yuteo in anything, so I have no opinion of his other projects. But he's great in this one. He reminds me of... Um, Hyunbin a lot, <laughs> something about his face. And you know, that's never a negative. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty much all I had to say about like the general plot of the show. What I now I want to focus on is the themes employed by this drama. The individual experiences of justified slash unjustified prejudice that both characters are supposed to have towards the other gender. So let's first talk about Nam Kang Ho because it's more straightforward and you guys would find it very familiar. Like we have seen this storyline many times. So Nam Kang Ho's backstory includes being dumped by a woman and then being grievously scarred so much so that he can barely touch a woman now without like puking his guts out, which is sad. But again, he has reason to be traumatized. I actually like this backstory because it's more than just like heartbreak translating into hatred for womankind. So it still kind of does that. His ex is somebody who achieved success in the movie industry way before him. He used to be a theater kid in his university days when he was dating this actress. And basically, when she suddenly got really popular, she was scared that people would find out that she's dating this guy. So her manager cooked up this plot where Kang Ho was basically accused of stalking the actress. And his friend and manager, who's played by Kim Ji-hoon, and my God, this man's hair is just like that's... 70% of his plot, just his hair, is just like a shampoo commercial every time he comes on screen. It's, it's gorgeous. So his friend and manager is like, listen, you must get revenge by being even more successful than her. 
And then 10 years on, he's achieved that. He had dropped out of his university. He was an SMU and he became an actor. And now he's like the most popular, you know, actor in romantic movies and dramas and stuff. And that's great. That's awesome. But what has happened is that he, you know, has been so traumatized by his relationship with this woman that um, he... doesn't trust any woman anymore like every actress he's ever worked with has basically walked away traumatized because he's just like he tries to be professional but then again he sees a hint of pettiness in them or you know anything that he doesn't approve of and he immediately reacts like this is a problem with the entire gender all women are petty and shallow and i don't know think of all of the prejudices a man can come up with women he has them because his girlfriend was you know a bitch so <laughs> so that's his back story again i thought it's it's interesting because he used that as his like great motivator to become this top star but now he has the situation where he has to like take anxiety pills every time he has like a kiss scene with an actress So he has all of these prejudices. However, he's also somebody who tries to be really professional. He works really hard. He has, you know, ambitions and he's kind and he is not just like awful towards all women. Apparently he's just awful towards all adult women. I don't know if that is such a saving grace. He apparently also has a really bad relationship with his mother which the drama doesn't go into too much but I'm just going to assume it's a contributing factor because I am the overanalyzing type. <laughs> He's quite nice to his niece. So that. Okay, so we're done with uh, Nam Kang Ho. We are moving on to Yo Biran. Yo Biran's prejudice as the drama puts it against men is less to do with her direct experience of men and more because she sees herself as a defender of women and she has noticed since childhood that men have usually been the ones that she had to defend women from so she's basically grown up as a kid who's just gone around defending her classmates and her friends from like creepy older grandpas who are trying to like touch them in alleyways or just like awful schoolboys who are double timing her friends it's so you see this much younger yomiran at one point and realize that she just doesn't have expectations from men as in like she doesn't expect them to ever be honorable in their relationships with women but mostly to herself i don't think she goes around at no point is kimokbin's character shown to like go around accusing random men of like always cheating or always lying she doesn't seem to have like a generalized hate for men she just doesn't trust them to stay faithful when they are in a relationship with her she has apparently always been proven right Her friend uh, Shinayan analyzes her at one point as says something to the effect of Yomiran expects the worst of you know men in relationships with her and they inevitably live down to those expectations probably because she seeks out the kind of men who will live down to those expectations and 
again, that's an interesting track. Like subconsciously always selecting men you know will cheat on you because Yomiran is a really intelligent woman and very insightful and, and like the kind of person who will be able to suss out the sort of personality you are relatively quickly. And so according to her friend, Yomiran tends to end up dating guys she already subconsciously knows will cheat on her. So she doesn't really try to preserve the sanctity of the relationship on her end either. In Yomiran's world, if the men are going to be cheating on me, I might as well be, you know, cheating on the men. So she pretty much treats all her relationships as open relationships. Now, here's the thing, though. As long as you're sticking with this theory about her subconsciously dating crappy men and expecting them to be crappy and then them ending up being crappy, that's fine. But what the story ends up doing <laughs> by the end is that they turn this into her superpower. As in like she dates the worst men of society to avenge women of society. You can kind of see at this point why it's not worth analyzing this aspect of it too much. So I will not analyze the ending. Again, nothing wrong with the ending, very satisfying. Just looking for logic is maybe not the best thing there. So let's come back to personal prejudices. So what kind of prejudice does Yomiran have towards men? You don't actually see a whole lot aside from her expecting them to cheat. Like she's friends with this one guy who she's worked with for years. And she finds out after like seven years of knowing this guy that he's been cheating on his girlfriend all along. And it's disillusioning for her. And because she's a very loyal woman, and at one point she had tried to match this friend up with her other friend, uh, Shinayon, she feels personally obligated to give up the job because like, I trusted this guy as a friend and turns out even he isn't trustworthy. So she ends up joining Gilbu Law Firm after that. Now, you can kind of maybe see where I'm going with this. Yomiran doesn't have like a generalized hatred towards men. She doesn't go on rant sprees about how all men are shitty human beings. At the most, at one point, she rants about how you should always be wary around men. Never just trust them. Position this next to how Nam Kang Ho talks about women... When he has a similar rant to his friend, he talks about all of them being money grubbers and only wanting success in career so that they can sort of, you know, increase their own value and net higher earning man. It's all basically about, you know, getting a rich guy. So it's not the same is what I'm trying to say. Yomiran's stance is be wary of men, don't trust them, don't expect them to be faithful and Nam Kang Ho's stance is all adult women are shallow and after rich guys. One of these is more hateful than the other. But the story doesn't want you to think so. <laughs> the story, for the most part, wants you to equate both of these things. The way you know that is after these two have fallen in love and their personalities have softened somewhat. Yomiran is more cheerful in the workplace while Nam Kang Ho is just being 
nicer and kinder overall, they both do these apology sessions. And Nam Kang Ho's apology session is where he invites all of these actresses he was awful to before, and he apologizes to them personally for being awful to them. At least, you know, the ones he was awful to for, like, very minor reasons. While you have this guy, uh, Yomiran had been dating before, who was cheating on her, and therefore she... Not therefore, like, she also cheated on him. So it's like both of them cheated on each other. But this guy is also still very hooked on Yomiran. Like, he still has a major crush on her. He try, He's actually really sweet, this guy. And she works with him in Gilmul Firm. And so she sits him down and is like, you know, you're still a cheater, but I shouldn't have treated my relationship so lightly with you. Like, I understand that maybe you didn't deserve to be treated so dismissively. And also, both of these things are not quite equal. Like, on the one hand, she was cheating on her ex-boyfriend almost like simultaneously as he was cheating on her. This was not like revenge cheating. However, the way she had handled that in the beginning of the show where, you know, they both discover, like they both sort of meet at a hotel where they're with other people. And uh, he's like, what? You're cheating on me? And she's like, well, you are cheating on me too. And then she kind of like just bounces off. I kind of love that. Neither of them was cheating on the other because they were trying to inflict wounds or for the sake of revenge. They just didn't have a deep relationship. So the fact that she went on to pretty much just treat him as a pal, like when they found that they were working for the same firm, she always tried to like just be a nice colleague. She's never mistreated him. She's never spoken to him badly. She's always just been a very chill person. I didn't understand what she was apologizing for, not taking the relationship seriously from her side, but then he was also not taking the relationship serious from his side. So yeah, I am not sure how these two things are equal. Nam Kang Ho was very unprofessional with actors he was working with due to his personal prejudices, whereas Yomiran was cheating on a cheater and then treated him with perfect cordiality when they met at a workplace later as colleagues. So again, unsure how these two things are supposed to be equal and unsure how the two apologies are supposed to show equal character growth. Maybe it's because I'm a woman and I'm biased. Maybe I don't see it, but in that case, absolutely let me know like what what I'm missing about this entire situation but let's assume that I am not biased against Nam Kang Ho who looks like Hyun Bin's brother <laughs> like guys he's got such a cute face seriously also Nam Kang Ho is supremely likable in this drama he has these soft kind eyes and when he shyly smiles at Yomiran because he's basically crushing at how awesome she is. It's really hard to remember that he's supposed to be a misogynist. Yeah. I mean, as drama viewers, by now I'm very used to dramas manipulating me into forgetting the worst traits <laughs> of the characters I'm rooting for. Uh, so I should not be surprised. 
Now, in the last leg of this episode, I briefly want to talk about this system in romantic storytelling that I've noticed for many years. It kind of works like this. Main lead in a romantic movie or drama will go through an emotional journey, whereas the woman, the female lead of a drama or a movie will go through a social journey. What do I mean by that? They're both falling in love. Doesn't that mean both are going through emotional journeys? Mm, no, not quite. What I mean by an emotional journey is that the man usually starts out with some kind of, I don't know, stunted emotional growth. Maybe he lacks empathy. Maybe he's afraid of closeness. Either ways, the men are changed fundamentally because they fall in love. So they become nicer. They self-reflect more. They are able to apologize for past sins. But the woman, falling in love doesn't substantially change the female lead. She is usually perfectly emotionally matured to begin with. Where she usually lacks is her uh, social status. In that, maybe she's a struggling shop owner. Maybe she is somebody who is trying to get a foothold in a misogynistic law firm. Or maybe she needs to stand up to her bullying boss or you know, something like that. In all of these instances, falling in love doesn't solve the problem for her. Falling in love is the stability that she requires so that she can take on these challenges herself. Falling in love doesn't directly change or affect her status. What it does is it's one of the first things that starts going right for them. So she doesn't go through an emotional growth. She goes through a social change. Either her financial status changes, either she gets like a better job by the end, or she's better able to deal with other people in her career or, you know, other aspects of her social life. So women go through a social change, whereas men go through an emotional change. And that's pretty standard. You would rarely find a drama going off this formula. I'm trying to think of dramas that may have subverted this formula somewhat. And honestly, the only one I can think of at this point is Run On, where in both the couples, you had them go through substantial social and emotional changes. Especially in the main lead, they definitely went through social changes. Their careers both, you know, were substantially changed by the end of the drama. And they both went through emotional changes, the female lead even more than the male lead. And with the secondary pairing, you could definitely say that Sodhana's character was like the traditional male lead. But was she substantially emotionally changed by the drama? Maybe she was to an extent. Yeah, I think with the secondary character, they kind of flipped the pot a bit with like her love interest. I can't think of the actor's name, but it's the gentleman who played Junho in Extraordinary Attorney Wu. And his character arc did have more of a social change because he was always emotionally empathetic and open to a relationship. So yeah, they flipped the script with the secondary character in this way as in many other dynamics. But I think that was apparent to everyone to begin with. But with like the male lead and the female lead, they managed to kind of give both of them emotional and social journeys. Okay, I can think of one other and that is just between lovers. Basically, you need 
more romances where both the characters are going through <laughs> career upheavals and you know both of them start with like a traumatic past that they slowly need to overcome through the power of love but in general the kind of stories we get even where there are no chevols whatsoever you still have the male lead in a much more secure financial position than the heroine from now on any romance you watch just just apply this theory just see if it actually holds up men fall in love go through an emotional change women fall in love and they go through a social change again i'm not saying for women it's causative like women don't go through a social change because they fell in love it's just the first thing that goes right for them but for men they go through an emotional change because they fell in love okay so i went on a tangent over there the reason i brought this up at all is because i was trying to see if love between you falls inside the pre established gender arcs of drama land and it does it absolutely does again you didn't need this theory to know that you knew that instinctively already but for some of us spelling out the formula is almost as much fun as watching the formula play out on screen so that was it that was my uh, solo episode on love to hate you i enjoyed it tremendously i absolutely appreciate that the creators of this drama came from a pretty sincere place and i'm somebody who believes that sincerity matters a lot i know that there are solid arguments out there in the world that when you are trying to do something with sincere intentions that's not enough you should sort of wait to have all of the information do a lot more research you know just like really know the subject before you go out and do something and and that is an important point but also really slows down social change somewhat i would rather have people make stories like these where they are trying to subvert smaller things about the you know gender warfare trope where both of these individuals genuinely like each other pretty early on and don't really have anything hateful towards each other it's not like they dislike each other over something really silly it does a good job of subverting some of the more toxic tropes that are usually in storylines like these which is why i can forgive them some of the larger themes that feel really outdated and could probably do with more introspection However, like I said, I appreciate the sincerity. I think it completely came through in the story and even when they were saying conflicting things about how, you know, Yomiran is an androgynist but she is also like really cool with all the men in her life. It didn't annoy me as much because A, they cast amazing actors in these roles. B, they gave us a heroine with a plausible backstory. who's a really strong character with strong motivations and they establish these characters with a lot of heart so that you could believe in their story and you can really root for them to be together at the end of all of the public scrutiny and trauma that they have to go through and that's it guys thanks for listening to my first solo episode 
You can find Dramas Over Flowers on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. You can find me, Parma, at the Drama Notes. You can find my co-hosts, uh, Saya at Not Now Saya and Anisa at Anisa Khalifa underscore, I think. And you can find us on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore. You can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Our website is dramasoverflowers.net. We are on Facebook. Look us up. And you can sign up for our newsletter. The link is below. We don't spam you. We just send you announcement emails and then episodes whenever this podcast publishes an episode. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Bye guys. Yeah, I'm feeling anxious, baby, and I drop. But I got on in my baby, I don't wanna know. Who do you mean the more it's on my love where it goes? Moon and I dig to me and it's so I'll your job. I've been anxious lately, I don't know. Be gonna eat or I go, baby, think I gotta go. Can't eat no man's hang a car, it's you don't take it slow.